Talking to the mic, wait, is wait. it over? Yeah, I, I have video if you want to see this yeah. craziness. Yeah, that's uh one of the more epic moments in the Michigan Michigan State college I football rivalry. Right now, I surprised Malik with that one. He thought we were doing a different intro video. I kind of teed that a better one up. Intro. Kind of teed that one up for him, especially. Welcome into the show. It's views from the sideline. It is Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I am your host, Chris Pappas. Alongside me is a very disappointed Malik Hill and Joey Tysick. He How's just killed going, my guys? enthusiasm for this show. I'm, I'm I'm hopefully, sorry. I can rebound somehow. Hey, all, all I remember from that is sitting in my dorm room on the floor with my head down for like an hour. I just thought it was that's, kind of, that's all I remember. I thought it was kind of funny. Of course you thought it was funny. Because I'm like, I'm like kind of... I. I'm a tweener when it comes to Michigan, Michigan State. I went to Michigan State for a little while, um, but I grew up like as a Michigan fan, and then Michigan State basketball became really good, and then Michigan basketball started to come back. So then I started being back to a fan of Michigan basketball, and I was, it, like I always go back and forth. So like watching those games and watching social media explode, like oh Michigan has a high, and then everybody's like oh Michigan State's gonna lose, blah blah blah. And then as soon as that happened, whew, I could I could hear my grandpa yelling through the Facebook screen, like, without even going on Facebook. I could, I could hear it. I, I, st- it. I still feel bad for Blake O'Neal for that whole – he was having, one, like, one of the best punting seasons in the Big Ten that year, in the country. He was just lights out that season, and then that happened, and everybody just threw him down the toilet. All it takes is one mistake, <sighs> unfortunately. Let's move on. We, we have a good show, don't we, host? I'm not even oh, going to say do. his name. Wait, he's, you're he's not even going to say my name? He's host. Fair enough. Fair enough. Then you're... Chris. Okay. Okay, I was going to come up with a nickname. I'm upset, you. ladies and gentlemen. Hey. I'm very upset. Look what, what, t- look what T-shirt Chris is wearing. He's, yeah, a, he's if, been upset for the last 10 was, years. If this was basketball season, I'd dive into that, but football season is getting close, and I'm... Yeah, we're not going to dive into those waters yet. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're... Today's show, we're doing our top 10 college football players, our favorite college football players since the year 2000 and on, so we're not going to date ourselves too much. A couple things we want to hit before we get into that. Again, another slow week in sports. A.J. Green, he fractured his ankle. He's out six to eight weeks for the Bengals. And then C.J. McCollum, actually right before we got into the studio today, signed a three-year, $100 million extension to his already two-year deal that he had making it five years, $157 million. He will be playing for the Blazers for a very long, long time. Next to Damian Lillard. 
Anything you guys want to touch on there right before we get going? I I don't know why the Bengals haven't just started their rebuild yet. I mean, they they know how much they can get out of Andy Dalton. He's good. Nothing. He's nothing more. He's than a ha- good. he's had a couple above average seasons. Exactly. When when he's on, he he plays really good when he's on. But you can only get so much out of Andy Dalton. Yeah. You've had AJ Green has been unhealthy the past two years. You've had the Marvin Lewis debacle. I mean, it's they've gone through a slew of running backs over the exactly. last few years, and everybody in their division has gotten so so much better. Right. It's, it, at this point, I, I don't see why they just embrace our, the rebuild. You've had your glimpses of hope, but it's it's not going to work this way. Obviously, you've seen it over the past ten years. I, I don't. It's not going to work the way they're doing it. I think it's it's time to start over. Yeah, unfortunately, AJ Green cannot stay healthy during a season. Uh, he's been one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL for a while, but he just can't stay on the field. When he's on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, but that's been the biggest concern is that he just can't stay on the field. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, I, I think the Bengals need to fall back a little bit. All right, let's jump right into it. We're doing our top 10. We'll all give an honorable mention to start. I'll start us off. My honorable mention, top 10 college football players, my favorite college football players. Honorable mention, Andrew Luck. Stanford, loved watching him play. That was... My high school years, he was the prime quarterback when I was in high school, and it was just fun to watch him play, how he commanded the field. Under Jim Harbaugh, I believe, at that time, too. And it was just a fun, exciting brand of football. Uh, So, yeah, Andrew Luck is my honorable mention. Nothing, Joe. Joe does Are we going to me? You're the host. You're you're directing. Yes, host. Are we coming to me? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Who's next? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Okay. All right. You put my, this on yourself. my honorable mention is going to be a bit of a surprise. Probably not many people uh, really know about him unless you're a big MSU fan. Uh, I was at MSU from 2011 <laughs> to 2012. And <sighs> my freshman year at Michigan State, Michigan State went undefeated at home. It was incredible. Keith Nickel. Is my honorable mention wide the, receiver, the, the wide receiver, old quarterback converted from quarterback, <laughs> and the reason for this honorable mention is because I was at the game when Michigan State was playing Nebraska, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins threw a hail mary at the end of the game. Ball got tipped. Keith Nickel grabbed it, and this game was televised on ESPN. And I was at the game, and Spartan Stadium was dead quiet because nobody knew. They initially called it like. In shortened inches or something like that, and the clock had expired or whatever. And people started bre- breaking out their phones, and ESPN is playing the, the replay meanwhile. So all these people are having their phones out, and they're like, well, ESPN's starting to say that it's good. ESPN's showing that the replay looks good. And so there was another pause where the refs started to come out on the field, and everybody was like dead quiet. Like you could hear crickets. And as soon as they put their two hands up, the place exploded. It was the most memorable moment I think of my sporting life just because I was there for that and to think about all the big names that were actually in that game um was just super cool so since he caught the game winning touchdown as my honorable mention Malik my honorable mention is Drew Dilio slot receiver for the University of Michigan I think from like it was like 2010 to like 2014 but he he only got he really got playing time 
from like 2012 to I think it was 2011 and 2013. I think he, I love guys that I think you could say kind of beat the odds. <laughs> he yeah. was every bit of five eight. I don't think he was an inch over five eight. He was probably listed at maybe five ten, but. He was 5'8", maybe 175, 180 pounds. Not that fast, but he was a really good route runner. He had really good hands, and he made all all the best catches he made were when they counted. The game under the lights in 2013 versus Notre Dame, he made the catch to separate it and for them to officially win the game. When they beat uh, Michigan State in 2012 at home, he made the big catch to get the first down, and for Brendan Gamers to hit the field goal for them to win. He always made big catches when it mattered, and he never had great stats. He was never going to have great stats. He was dependent on to get tough yards, make tough catches, and he always made it, made them when he needed to, and I, I appreciated Drew Delio for that. Well, we're going to keep going on the Michigan bandwagon here. My number 10, Michigan football great Braylon Edwards. Uh, wide receiver for the Wolverines. His best season, 2004, 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns, all receiving. Dude was a monster. He was almost unstoppable. He was pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I didn't get to, I didn't really watch him live. I ended up watching YouTube videos and all those highlight videos of Braylon uh, just being a Walmart Wolverine like I am, but... Um, just soaks even at that time. I'm probably watching these videos in 2012, 2013, seeing what he's doing eight years ago, nine years ago, is crazy. He really had the command of the football field at the wide receiver position, which is difficult to do sometimes. He had a solid NFL career too. He, I mean, it wasn't great, or maybe as expected, but he had some good seasons in there. Drafted by the Browns. Well. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Joey, who you got for ten? Uh, my number 10 pick is Pat White. And that's probably no surprise after I talked about the Dolphins last week. Um, but I didn't watch Pat White a ton in college. Like, I knew of him. And the the first time that I knew of him was playing an NCAA football game. And in those games, Ridiculous. because they can't have copyrights to names, you just get a number and the team. So you play with this guy and you're like, man, this quarterback is crazy fast. He can run all over the field. He can throw bombs. Who is this guy? So then you go on the internet, you start looking it up, and you're like, oh, it's Pat White. So then you start to watch him a little bit, and it, it was insane some of the things that he would do. Um, and I've always been a fan, especially in college, big fan of the scrambling quarterback. You'll see it on my list. I got a couple of them. Um, it's just kind of my favorite way to watch college football. I, I like that college football isn't, like the pros, they'll take risks on play calling. They'll do different, different setups and things like that. Uh, so Pat White, my number ten. My number ten is another short Michigan receiver, Jeremy Gallon. That's a that's a good pick. Actually. He yeah he was a guy that played a really big role at Michigan in his first few years, which is honestly surprising because that was still at the time when. A lot of the Michigan receivers were above six foot, six one, six two physical and had some speed. Rich Rodriguez brings in Jeremy Gallon. Jeremy also wasn't the fastest, but really good hands, great route runner, 
And when he got into the open field, even though he wasn't fast, he was very elusive. It could break off 70, 80-yard runs when you gave him the ball just because he knew how to – he had great vision on the field and he knew how to get it done. My favorite version of Jeremy Gallon is in 2013 when um, Brady Hoke had them wear the honorary numbers and he wore 21 in honor of Desmond Howard. That year, a lot of people don't remember that year and completely forget about how prolific he was. That year, uh, in a game against Indiana, he broke the record for, I think, for I think catches and receiving yards in a game. He had like 14 catches and like 334 yards receiving. For some reason, he was an outside receiver at just 5'8", but he always found a way to get open and catch passes over bigger cornerbacks. And it, it always fascinated me how good of a player he was at his size as an outside receiver. Cause you, you never see when you see guys that small as outside receivers, they're either, they're the blazing fast, like Deshaun Jackson. Those, those are usually the only types of guys that play outside right. at that size. So seeing him dominate the big 10 that year, like he did absolutely just controlling DBs that were a lot of times more talented than him and more physically talented than him. I'd, he really has a special place in yeah. my heart as a receiver. He, he's he was, just a smart receiver. He was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people forget how good of a year he had in 2013. My number nine, Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma. Another monster. Kind of, It really was, he was one of those players that you thought he was going to be really good in the NFL, and he actually did achieve that. Kind of like we thought Braylon Edwards. What? What? Are you, what? Oh, what? I thought you were giving a look. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But just like Braylon Edwards, we thought, he was going to be something better than what he was, and he didn't really achieve that. Adrian Peterson did. Uh, he put up some crazy numbers at Oklahoma. Again, this is another one of those players that I kind of just watch highlights of on YouTube, and it's just crazy to see him put it all together in college and carry that on to the NFL. Yeah, I I think Adrian Peterson, he's on the short list of guys that, even though it's not really possible and it's crazy to say, they're they're – four or five guys in football history where you could say it could have been possible for him to be drafted out of high school. Yeah. His physically, there's a reason he finished. I think he finished second in the Heisman voting as a true freshman. He was one of the first people to ever do that. Rushford, like 1,700, 1,800 yards, like physically skill wise, 1,900, 1,900. He was far above most running backs that were seniors in college football at that time. His, his gifts were out of this world, so yeah, he was he was ridiculous. And like you said, he he almost immediately translated that into the NFL, oh, and yeah. he did the same thing in the NFL. So he's just dominated his entire career, and even now, like he's had some issues, and he's been on and off the field a lot in the past couple of years. But when he plays, and you know he gets good amount of touches, he has some solid games still, and he still shows that he's one of the best to ever play. Joey, who's your number nine? My number nine is another scrambling quarterback. Uh, I'm going with Dennis Dixon. That's a good pull. Quarterback That's a good one. from Oregon. Um, so Oregon's one of my favorite teams. They have cool uniforms. You know, if if I was to be, I always go back and forth with my brother about this, but if I was to be drafted, or if I was to pick a college to go play football, I'd play at Oregon. They got tons of money coming in with Nike and all that stuff. So it's always cool. So you would have been paid a lot on the side. No, you just get free jerseys and gear and shoes and stuff you're not paid (laughs) come on um but this like dennis dixon era is probably where i started to enjoy oregon and that's where you know he was a scrambling quarterback and then 
from there on out, they would just do crazy uh, wildcat type stuff. And as you saw with like Mar Marcus Mariota and all those guys to come later, they kind of kept that within their, uh, that's how they played college football. And that's why they're one of the most exciting teams for me. And Dennis Dixon, like I said, was one of those guys that it started it with him. He was a good quarterback, but he could scramble when he needed to. Not maybe as crazy as some of the guys that later came on, um, but he just kind of started that whole era, which I enjoyed. Malik, my number nine is Lamar Jackson, quarterback <clears throat> for Louisville. I think he's he's the most electric quarterback I've watched live, I think, in my life watching college football. I, I watched almost every game he played during his Heisman season, and I I really couldn't believe half of the stuff he was doing. Like the game against Syracuse early in the season when he he has a read option play on the goal line, runs outside, hurdles over a linebacker, and just gets inside the pylon. He absolutely shreds up Florida State when they were a top five team. They blew them out like 49 to 15 and put everybody on notice. His arm was out of this world. He he was almost he was the next equivalent to Michael Vick in college. Four four speed, could chuck the football eighty yards if he had to elusive he he had it all and in that one season he's he's easily the most electric hmm. i'm considering changing that statement since i have another quarterback on my list in my top three he's one of the most electric quarterbacks i've ever watched and watching him alive was insane in that one year when he won the heisman and it's it's even crazier considering once he left, that team absolutely fell apart because Bobby Petrino was a <laughs> despicable man of a coach and they didn't have as much talent as they thought they had and they completely fell off a cliff once he left. So he carried that team for two years and led them to bowls almost on his own shoulders. So it, it shows how much of a talent he truly was. Yeah, and my, my number eight kind of piggybacks those scrambling quarterbacks Deshaun Watson, uh, quarterback uh, from Clemson. His sophomore year, he had 35 passing touchdowns and 12 rushing touchdowns. Like, the dude was absolutely elusive. He could kill you on both ends. You collapse on the pocket. He's throwing a dime or he's darting around the edge. Deshaun Watson was one of those guys that you turned on the game because you knew he was playing. You didn't if you, you weren't a Clemson fan, but you knew Deshaun Watson was playing, you were watching. Six three, had great size for the position. I mean, he still does. He's killing it in the NFL as well. But he was just so exciting to watch to me personally, uh, as a college football fan. Joey, who you got for eight? My number eight is a another scrambling quarterback. Wow. Uh, mine is Shocker. Tyrod Taylor. I've talked about him in the pros. I like him in the pros because he's He's super efficient. He's accurate. Um, but he's coming after the era at Virginia Tech of Michael Vick. And he, for his, I think it was first three years, his first three years of being at Virginia Tech, he was kind of in a, a rotating system of quarterbacks, kind of like how you see some teams do it now, where you have one more of the running quarterback and one of your uh, prototypical stay-in-the-pocket passers. Um but Tyrod Taylor in his senior year had almost 3,000 yards passing and almost 2,000 yards rushing or something like that. He had like 24 touchdowns, only five interceptions. 
I just like how efficient he is because sometimes you see those scrambling quarterbacks and then they make a lot of bad decisions. He is so controlled in oh, the yeah. game. He was an underrated passer in college. Right. And he's like, his body is moving uncontrollably. He's super fast and crazy and running all over the field, but his mind is always in control. And he knows exactly where he wants to go. And that's kind of like my favorite part about him. Um, again, maybe he would have been higher if I watched him more in college. It was, again, one of those things where I knew of him. I had played the NCAA games back then. It's kind of where I first saw him. And then when he got to the NFL is where I really like took notice, I guess, more so. So that's why he's eight. My number eight is RG3, Baylor quarterback. He might be the only Baylor player to ever win a Heisman and be that caliber of player again in that school's history, which that which shows how much of an impact he made on college football. I feel like he's a little high for your, or low, whatever. I feel like he would be closer to the top. Uh, I had a lot of guys <laughs> that were much <laughs> higher. And it I honestly, I struggled putting him in this list because there were like four or five guys. I was rotating between eight and my honorable mentions. So just because of how prolific he was, I'm just I'm just gonna go by his senior year stats. Four thousand two hundred ninety three yards passing, seventy two percent completion rating, thirty seven passing touchdowns to only six interceptions, six hundred ninety nine rushing yards, ten rushing touchdowns, and this this was the culminating year where Baylor was finally on the college football map. He led them to a ten win season. They upset Oklahoma. Uh, they upset somebody else. I can't remember who else, but. They were lighting teams on fire. They were scoring over 40 points almost every game. Nobody could handle Robert Griffin III. His, his straight-line track speed, because Robert Griffin III was never the most elusive guy, but once he broke through the line, and if, if everybody else was in coverage, he pumped fake and took off, there was almost no chance of stopping him because his speed was just out of this world. And then he had a world-class throwing arm, which was also accurate. And an offense that the air raid offense that just fit perfectly under Art Bryles. So everything came together for him for that to win that Heisman season. And he pulled out the Superman socks at the ceremony, which is iconic. Hmm. RG3. That, that track speed might be alluding to a later pick. We'll see. Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. Next up, my number seven. Shocker, a scrambling quarterback. It's Cam Newton. How many are we about to do? <laughs> I don't know, but it's Cam Newton for me. High school, he's my... Andrew Luck was probably my number two favorite. Cam Newton was by far my number one favorite quarterback to watch uh, in high school. Played high at school? Florida. The one you year. watched him at high school? In I watched him, okay, <laughs> when I was in high when school. When you were in high school, okay. Yes. Uh, I didn't watch my floor, but the Auburn years. I mean, he was first in the Heisman Auburn vote. year. That the one iconic year. The one iconic year, <laughs> first in Heisman voting in 2010. Uh, the stats were crazy: 30 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, and he had 20 rushing touchdowns Man. for a quarterback. It was just something to see, and you we're we're. I don't know if we've seen another quarterback like Cam Newton in college football. I think I think he's the most perfectly built college quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, 6'5", 250, 4'5", speed, rocket right. arm, like, come on. Who who was stopping him that year? Nobody. It was, yeah. He was, he was, he's almost like the Terminator with pads on. <laughs> he was almost unstoppable to, unstoppable when he ran with the ball. Yeah. 
yeah, it's ridiculous. And like all the all the scrambling quarterbacks that I picked so so far are small for the most part. Pat White was pretty big, um, but he didn't have the size. And similar to RG three, similar to RG three, RG three was also skinny, whereas Cam was just big yeah. and fast and strong. That's what was crazy. Joey, my number seven. We already talked about Braylon Edwards. Um, it, I started watching college football before I watched NFL. Um, mostly because my grandpa was a big Michigan fan, so Michigan game, any big game was always on. And I just remember some of the catches um, that Braylon Edwards would make in the end zone in big games were very similar to Calvin Johnson. He's not necessarily as big as Calvin Johnson, but he was. he would just go up and make plays that you never expected. And, I mean, I won't go on and on about it because we've already talked about him a bit, but um, I was a little disappointed in his NFL career. Um, but overall, he's, he still was great. In college, he was incredible. Malik? My number seven is Baker Mayfield, Ooh. Oklahoma quarterback. He, I, yeah, I, he just missed a cut for me. I honestly, I, I watched him by accident from his very first game at Texas Tech. What do you mean because by accident? 2011, 2012, that was around the time when I really, really started to get into, okay, I'm watching from day one of the season, all throughout the season, I'm paying attention to all the conferences, all the players. I'm, I'm watching everything. I'm in tune with college football. This is my thing. And I think he, he was a freshman in 2013, I believe, at Texas Tech. Walk, he was a walk-on, didn't get a scholarship. Through the spring, got the starting job. And this is one of the first games I watched that season. I learned the story before the game. I learned about Baker Mayfield. I was like, okay, let me watch this kid. He comes out and lights up SMU in his very first game ever, ever as a college football walk-on. I think over like 400 yards and like four passing touchdowns. He's just a sensation out the gate. Doesn't end up working out at Texas Tech. He leaves there. Goes to Oklahoma where he's doesn't have a scholarship there. He just tell, pretty much tells us, tells the coaching staff, I'm coming. I'm going to come and try out for this team, and hopefully I'm the starter. He comes, has to sit out a year, goes to spring practice, wins the starting job again, again, takes it from there, and arguably becomes the best quarterback in Oklahoma history. Statistically, I mean, accuracy, arm, he he's never had the size and the talent, quote unquote, which is why he did he didn't have a bunch of offers coming out of high school. But intangibles, leadership, the arm, I, he was he was amazing to watch as a he was a guy that once he got out the pocket, he was very crafty and creative. He wasn't really a scrambler, but when he started running, he could make things happen. I loved the most the fact that every time he dropped back or came out of the shotgun. I felt like he was going to hit the open man every single time he dropped back. And that's what I loved the most about watching him. He was almost automatic, on point, no missed calls, no errant passes most of the time. It was on point just all the time. And I loved his attitude, and I loved how he went into Columbus and shut up Ohio State. Baker Mayfield, one of the greatest. My, my number six, another scrambling quarterback. Wow. <laughs> You have Shocker. more than me, actually. I have Don't say more. Smith. Don't spoil it. <laughs> no. It's Tim Tebow. Yeah. Jets legend. New York Jets legend. One of the greatest ever. 32, I don't care what anybody says. 2007, 
He had 32 passing touchdowns and 23 rushing touchdowns. Dude was a monster. And in college, he kept his interceptions down. That kind of changed when he got to the pros. Um, hey, man, when you got those types of weapons out there, it's hard to throw interceptions <laughs> when you Very when you true. got those types of playmakers. Tim Tebow was a sensation. He was a national phenomenon, even when he was just playing in college. He was just fun to watch. It stinks that he did not progress into an NFL quarterback like we thought he could. He had the magical year with the Broncos, but that was really it for him. Now, is he still Is he still? He's a baseball a? player. Is he still yeah, double A yeah. with the Mets farm he's had, system? He's, he's had some okay games. Yeah. Hopefully, he becomes a New York Mets someday, and he can make my favorite, top 10 favorite MLB players of all time. Um, but yeah, Tim Tebow, my number six. He's one of the most interesting college football players, football players in history to me, because there really is either you love him or you hate him. While the, he's he is an amazing person, he's he really has never said anything out of bounds. He's never done anything to make people hate him. He just goes out there and does his best and plays the game because he loves to play it. Yet, people, the media put him in the spotlight. He just he just tries to go out and play football. He loves playing quarterback. He wanted to play quarterback in the NFL. People just jumped onto the hate bandwagon, I guess, because he he's almost the perfect human being. Almost. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason why. But there needs to be a movie made about Tim Tebow. His story is really, really interesting and, and then they they tried to convert him into running back and stuff when they got into the, the pros the, the jets wanted him to be a tight end yeah they tried to move him around and he said no i want to play quarterback, quarterback. And I, I respect him for it the, everybody else that comes out of college and people want them to move from quarterback they don't get any scrutiny but right tebow yeah it's it's weird he's my brother's favorite or my brother's favorite college football player probably one of my brother's favorite football players of all time people hate to love him yeah. And love to hate him. I was kind of indifferent. I didn't really like Florida at the time. Again, don't like the teams that are winning all the time. And Florida had won two national championships in basketball, and they won in football. So it was, I was kind of tired of Florida. I'm a big Tebow guy. But Tebow was a great dude, so I, I could never hate him. I just was indifferent. I was like, yeah, he's good. You're number six, Joe. My number six, another uh, MSU that I got to see in person. And... William Golston. Oh. Defensive end for Michigan State. Didn't expect that. No, that's not <laughs> exactly. what I was expecting. But, again, you got to think, when I was in school, Michigan State, they were known for their defense. Their defense could stop anybody. And it was incredible to watch. I've never enjoyed, like, a defensive team necessarily in football besides, like, the Ravens and Michigan State. And watching them in person was incredible. And the way that William Golston would just like get off the end, like he was a power guy. He would just run people over, but he had really good finesse moves as well to pair with that. So he was one of those ends that was like mixed talent. Um, and like every time he hit, it was just, you could just hear it from the crowd. And he just made it exciting when the team would get sacks and stuff like that. And honestly, the whole defensive unit for that team, I uh, I wanted to include like Darquez Denard, but I couldn't do that either. Um, but there's just a bunch of guys for that team, and I think William Golson kind of embodies that defense as a whole. So that's why I have him at number six. Malik? My number six is uh, 
I gotta confess, this is this is a kind of controversial one for me. It's Christian McCaffrey. What? At six, Stanford running back. Why is that controversial? Because partly a lot of my reason for having him this high is because of the, tr- the transition he's made into the NFL. <laughs> that doesn't and count. That's that's why I he's st- he was still all on my list, but he went up higher because he broke the stigma of and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Sure. Sh- he, bro- he broke the stigma. Of, what? of the white running back. Of being a white guy. Yes. I could have said it for you. Yes. If, if you felt more comfortable, Throughout I could have said it for you. Throughout the history of football, it's been white running backs are power backs. They're not elusive guys that can just break the game wide open and change the game like all the other running backs. And if, even that, if That's they, always been the stigma. And even if they are, they don't stick around. Look at Peyton Hill. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Sean Alexander. Wh- <laughs> what? Chris is on one today. I don't, I don't, I don't anyway, know where. Anyway. Yeah, like, we're just going to have yeah, a conversation. This is, a, this is me and Joey thing. So, I first started. I first saw him at the end of his freshman year at Stanford. I, I really had never heard of him. But I, I was watching Stanford near the end of the season because they were a good team. And at that time, Barry Sanders' son was the starting running back. And I noticed that he wasn't playing that much anymore. And I was like, what's happening? I noticed this kid, number 27, McCaffrey, is out there. They say he's Ed McCaffrey's son. I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Then he starts running the ball, and he's really impressive. Yeah. So I start paying more attention to him. Going to the next year, he changes his number to five. All of a sudden, he just starts lighting college football up. Yeah, kid was insane. Extreme elusiveness, tough runner. And Stanford football is you pitch the ball to the running back. And you just go. And, yeah, and make holes for him, and they figure it out. Kick returns, punt returns, running the football in the middle, running it outside, even throwing passing touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey did everything, and he started to prove to me that he could be the guy that could break the stigma going into the NFL because I, he was one of the first guys I've seen like that where he, he did everything. He had every single skill set you needed to be a good NFL running back, and I knew people around me that still doubted it because they had never seen a guy like Christian McCaffrey and they've, they've never seen a white running back like that in the NFL. Yeah. I try to convince everybody, I've watched this kid for like the past two years. He does this different than anybody you've seen. Yeah. And he's made the transition very well. He's a pro ball running back. Loved him at Stanford. Kid was really good. And I, I left him off my list for the reason of the transition because I, I did the same thing. I was fighting with, oh, do I like him more because of his transition into the NFL or did I like him as a college player? I liked him as a college player, but not enough to make my top 10. And I most, mostly knew of him because one of my brother's friends is a big Christian McCaffrey guy. And I started watching him. He's like the perfect mix of running back, of power and speed that you oh, yeah. want. On the college level, he's, he's besides like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey is almost perfect. Right. And he can do almost a little bit of everything. And my biggest concern of him going into the NFL was he's, he's not like undersized, but he's a little exactly. bit smaller. That- but the then thing. when you saw him, like, after his first year, he put on a ton of muscle. Exactly. Dude is just brute strength, and he's still got his speed. Um, so after you see that and you start seeing him in an NFL game, you're like, oh, he's going to transition fine. And he's so fun to watch. Yeah. A lot of people wanted him to switch to receiver because, as well as being a great running back, he was just as good as coming out of the backfield. Right, because at Stanford, that's too. how they used him a lot. They exactly. They used him as a receiving running back and stuff so, like yeah. that. It's not it's not just the NFL thing. He I loved watching him and he impressed me that much when he played at Stanford. He's my number six. Now, for my number five, I mean you guys know me. I'm a big crab legs guy. 
Are you? Love <laughs> crab legs. I don't think that's something we knew before now, but def- okay, well I definitely didn't know that. I've known Chris for seven years yeah. about. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep asking you about your Jameis Winston thoughts when we go into the season. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jameis Winston is my number five. <laughs> uh Florida State Seminole. Played for Florida State for two years. Uh just another one of those uh pass passing and rushing quarterbacks. He was just fun to watch. For me, I knew Florida State was playing. I knew James was playing. Six, he's a six-four quarterback, big for his position. He was fun to watch. He was a lot more of a pocket passer, a lot more. People, people forget that his he mainly used to just sit in the pocket and pick people apart. The first game I ever watched him play was he, his redshirt freshman year when he won the Heisman. When they played Pittsburgh in their first game, he finished the game and was like twenty-seven of twenty-eight. For 300 yards and like five touchdowns. You probably had crab legs and, that day. Come on, man. <laughs> what? He's grown past. He uh, he actually hasn't grown past. Yeah, he's still I immature. Th- I don't think he's grown past. He's still very immature. To be honest. He still has a lot to prove as a grown man. Yeah. Needless to say, that was also one of my favorite stories to come out <laughs> too that year. Yeah. It was just entertaining. Um, Joey, you're number five. So my number five. That's all you had to say about James? Yeah, it was just so, so entertaining. <laughs> he just legs. wanted the crab legs. He just wanted to get in and out with crab legs. Yeah, he was good at running and passing. Okay, move on. So for my, <laughs> number, legs. my number five, on the, the flip side from going to the MSU, from MSU, we'll go over to Michigan now. My number five is Brandon Graham. You're really good pick. Now this guy, I just talked about how exciting William Golson was. Brandon Graham was even a level above that, mostly because – I don't think the Michigan defense was good at the time, but it wasn't as good as this Michigan State team that their whole collectively made it good. Yeah, Brandon they, Graham basically were... made this Michigan defense good. Yeah. And people were just scared of the guy. He was fast. He could just break through offensive lines. He could cover. like He, he could do almost everything that you asked him to do. And... Obviously, it does help too that he has he's had a good NFL career too. Um, but watching this guy in college was he was a monster. It was so fun because he like gave you something exciting on the defensive end for that Michigan team, um, whereas they were kind of more of an offensive team. Um, so just watching him break off the end was so exciting. I, I do enjoy defensive ends. I think I I kind of get that from my brother. My brother, a lot of his favorite NFL players were ends and stuff. So I've kind of learned to watch defensive ends. And Brandon Graham was. Man, he was exciting to watch. Yeah, I I honestly feel sorry for him because he got caught in the middle of the transition from Lloyd Carr to uh, right. Rich Rodriguez, and a lot of people expected the defense to hold down that team while the offense was transitioning. But the defense was also going through changes, and while they had talent, they were like completely switching schemes, and it didn't fit a lot of the right. talent. So, yeah, Brandon Graham was the one guy that no matter what, he was killing quarterbacks and yeah, right. making things hard for everybody. Malik. My number five is Marshawn Lattimore, running back mm. from South Carolina. That's a good one. Um, honestly, don't have a lot to say about him because his story is kind of sad. So many gruesome knee injuries yeah. that ended his career. He got drafted by the 49ers because of his talent and never ended up playing a single snap. Couldn't play in the NFL because the injuries took too much of a toll on him, which really sucked. But in in the short glimpse – we got to see him in his two, three years at South Carolina. He was freshman of the year in the SEC. I'm pretty sure he was first or second team all SEC. 
He rushed for over 1,000 yards. He stepped in. South Carolina was transitioning into becoming a good program at that time. Right, he put them on the Yeah, map. and getting him as a recruit, he just was going – he went into Florida up against Alabama. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He was, I think, like 6'1", like 220, fast and strong and elusive. He was giving SEC def- defenses everything as an 18-year-old running back, and I, I loved watching him play back then. And if it wasn't for those knee injuries, he'd probably be a – Pro Bowl running back still at this time. Yeah, he was that good. And I, I remember the one thing too about him, even though he's six one, which is is still fairly tall. Um, but he, he was had either, like he was either like six foot or six. He wasn't extremely tall. Yeah. I think he was like six foot or six one. But I just always remember like he just had these like long, powerful legs, and yeah. he would just always like like they tell you as a running back to always keep your feet moving. Like he constantly was doing that, and he was just plowing through people. My number four, we already talked about him already. RG3. Oh. Um, Who's that guy? Yeah. And he has an interesting story, too, because he didn't really play much his sophomore year. and He, he, had, he, had, star- he had injuries, too. But know. he was also, yeah, he was a starter his freshman year, had to deal with injuries, and then he came back and bounced back. His junior year was really good, and then he essentially just took another step. Yeah, dominated. And... You didn't really think he could do that, but he did. Jumping from 22 touchdowns to 37 passing touchdowns. Uh, RG3 was just so fun to watch. And like you, all the points that you put out for RG3, put Baylor on the map uh, for college football to that 10-win season. Yeah, RG3, my number four uh, favorite college football player. Joey? My number four, uh, possibly one of the best college football players. Darren McFadden. Dude was electric. He's another one of those guys that put his team on the map. Um, Arkansas has always been like a decent college football program. They've had their ups and downs. But when Darren McFadden was on that team, it was a must-watch situation. The dude is another mix of strength and speed. And at the time, it was like something that nobody had really seen, it seemed like, for a long time. And he was just super electric. Um, unfortunately, his NFL career was not was nowhere near his college career. He had some decent numbers at times. Yeah. He he struggled with injuries for most of his career. Yeah, but when he was in college, that guy he's like one of, one of the most exciting running backs I think I've ever watched. Just because he's a mix of speed, I don't like the as much of the power running back, obviously, because they're not as, as exciting sometimes. Um, but Darren McFadden just being that that mix between the two, um, being able to do multiple things for that team was incredible. And some of the some of the tackles that he would get out of was incredible. Malik, my number four is a very very personal favorite. I, I guarantee I'm a hundred percent. Neither of you would have ever considered this guy mm-hmm. or barely re- remembered him. Did he play for Michigan? For no, no. BYU quarterback Taysom Hill. He now plays for the Saints. Number seven, the gadget quarterback. Mm. I couldn't tell. I can't listen. I know him as an NFL quarterback because he had that yeah. one good play. I can't. I can't give you. <laughs> it's hard for me to explain my love explain for Taysom Hill because is it like my Geno Smith love? No, he was fantastic at BYU. I think it's part his story and his play along with his story. He tore his ACL twice in college, 
dealt dealt with so much time trying to get back every time he got hurt. He came on the scene as a redshirt freshman, upset Texas at home. He was electric on the ground, and he was a good passer. Tore his ACL, came back, was still electric. Tore his ACL again. I believe he had to apply for a, like, I think he had to apply for a sixth year at BYU. And although he wasn't the same, he still was able to lead them to a bowl game and still was electric on the ground and still was a really good passer. I just loved the way he played and how tough he is and how he kept coming back from injuries and just appeared to keep the same skill he had. And it's shown his skill has shown in the NFL. The guy has four I think I'm pretty sure in a combine in the combine or in his pro day, he had a four four forty. So people didn't know what to do with him from his injury history and the fact that he wasn't the most polished quarterback ever. The Saints get him in, he becomes a special teams quarterback gadget guy and i love that Taysom is doing well now but i love to watching him play at byu i really did and it just it just so happens that he landed with the saints and sean payton loves that kind of stuff exactly just putting guys in almost odd positions and just doing this crazy play calling like he's a perfect guy to fit into that system my number three johnny manzel i knew he was coming up somewhere (laughs) too low Johnny Manziel. Yeah, you know what? He might be too low. I, he, he's, I debated heavily for the number two position with Johnny Manziel. I, just the swagger he played with. Legend. Just, it was something to see this dude put on a show every single time, whether it was with his antics, his touchdown celebrations, or he just downright destroyed your favorite team when he saw him on the schedule. He was a down, regardless of what you think of the guy because of what happened afterwards, he destroyed every opponent he saw on that schedule list. Johnny Manziel was a monster. Um, freshman year, 26 touchdown, passing touchdowns, 21 rushing touchdowns. People forget about the yeah. 21 rushing touchdowns. He took a step back rushing-wise in his sophomore season, but then he was 37 touchdowns for the passing. It just... He could he could kill you both ways essentially. He's one of the most magical quarterbacks I've ever watched. A guy that could just make the impossible happen. It, and the yeah. swagger he played with exactly. had a, such a draw to it. Um, Joe, you want to comment on Johnny? I I have no comments. Why aren't you a Johnny? I was fan? never a fan. Don't doubt. Okay, no negative talk on Johnny. Nope. Let's move on. <laughs> How did right. his NFL career turn out? Let's. We're not talking. We're not NFL. We're talking college football exactly. today. I know. Exactly. I'm just saying. <laughs> What matters is what Curious, he did in huh? that A&M uniform. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't really care All right, what's your him. number three? Don't talk about Johnny. <laughs> My number three, um, as I alluded to before, big Oregon guy, LaMichael James. He's another one of those running backs. He was undersized. He was pretty small, but he was fast. And the way that he would just break through lines and get into the secondary and just get past everybody was incredible. He worked perfectly into that offense where they would throw all sorts of different play calling at you, and he could do all sorts of stuff. He would be on the return team, and I wished this guy would have turned into an NFL running back. He didn't quite. He was okay for a year it. or two in San Francisco, and then you yeah, know, he he was okay, um, but he was just part of that Oregon team when they were super exciting to watch. Um, he's one of the just the fastest running backs that I can remember in. Uh, recent history for college football 
and just some of the moves and cuts that he would make and how quick he was along with his top-end speed was just fun to watch. Malik, my number three is wide receiver for Alabama, Amari Cooper. What? What, Joey? What's that look for? I, I've already stated my issue with Alabama before. So okay, I, <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't know if it was with Amari. It's not necessarily towards Amari Cooper per se. But yeah, go proceed. Don't let me. Wait, stop wait. You. So you can't have a favorite player because he played for Alabama? I, I just that's just personally how I ended up. I would end up doing it because if I don't like the team, why am I going to watch a certain player on the team that I already don't like? Because they have so many great. Really great players. You're missing out on a lot of good that, players that are so good. To, We're not talking about that are amazing right. to watch. We're not yeah, talking, they're, they're great players. They're just not my favorite. We're not talking about favorites. Let, can we let Malik talk about Amari Cooper, please? I'm more concerned about your hate <laughs> for these teams. And you we must talk, give him Alabama, you want to talk Alabama about therapy? It? Do you guys want to do like top five hated teams next week? I could do that in a That'd flash. Be, well, next week is college, it's anyway. college football preview, but. I mean, we could probably wait another week, but anyway, we'll yeah. talk about that later. Malik, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. <laughs> So, from his freshman season, he was looked at as the go-to guy with from A.J. McCarron. He caught the game-winning pass in the SEC championship his freshman season. He only got better from there. During his junior season, he was absolutely dominant that entire season. He was almost unguardable. He's one of those guys that I, I felt like was there was no way he could be a bust in the NFL. He was a short thing. You talk about speed, hands, route running. Go go get an ability when you just throw them a fade route. I mean, there was I'm pretty sure there was a game they had against like Florida his junior season, where they on like three straight possessions when they got to the goal line they just threw up fade routes to him, and he caught he caught all of them for touchdowns in like three different ways, and it was just incredible to watch how how much smarter and how much savvier he was than every DB he went against when he was at Alabama, and I I just loved. I loved how he played the position. I still love how he plays the position, even though he's in that Cowboys uniform. Love Amari Cooper at Alabama. Top two, gentlemen. My number two, Vince Young, quarterback from Texas. If you didn't know, you you didn't have to watch college football back then to know who Vince Young was. He uh, He was a monster. I didn't watch him. Again, another one of those players that I watched all the highlights of him. Never, I wasn't into college football when I was 10 years old, so I didn't watch him live. But he was an out, just an outrageous player. 26 touchdowns in his junior year. I think it was his junior year. 12 rushing touchdowns. That was before the big craze of all those quarterback, all the quarterbacks that can do both those dual threat quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, but yeah, Vince Young, uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. That's a good pick. Joey, your number two. Well, my number two has to be a hometown guy. It doesn't have to be. No, he has to be for me. My number two is easily Denard Robinson. I couldn't. There's no way that I could keep him even out of my top five. Um, he's, in, he's a decent quarterback. But just the way that that guy would run as a quarterback, and that's why I said when Malik was talking about track, guy was a Florida state track runner and back in high school and you could see it i i didn't really care for the, the whole shoelace thing oh like, i loved it well, sure whatever have your own mantra that's fine but just <laughs> anytime similar to how malik was talking earlier like he was one of those quarterbacks that as soon as he pump faked he's gone 
And if there's a hole, he's going to get all the way to the end zone, possibly. And The amount of quarterback draw plays called right. on that team, too. I wanted them to run with him almost every snap. Oh, yeah. Rather than him throw it. Honestly, they probably called a dangerous amount of quarterback draws for Denard. Like, there was a lot of plays that... Honestly, you probably if you want to protect the quarterback, maybe don't call QB draw that possession. But yeah, and the other thing too is like I got to see him live. Like again, when I was at Michigan State, he came to play, and seeing him live is even crazier. Oh, yeah, like, his, his, see his him speed just, live is there's no way to put in words right how fast he is once he takes off when you're in the crowd. And that's why it's ridiculous. The game that Michigan Michigan State played was at uh, East Lansing, and the best part was that Michigan State won the game. But Denard Robinson had a solid game. I got to see him run. Michigan State still won. So it was like a little best of both worlds for me. And still to this day, like I just enjoyed watching him play college football just because of you always knew that there was a chance that he could just break free at any moment. And he had some decent passes every once in a while. Never was crazy. Um, but he was just, he was so electric on the field. I, again, he's another one of those guys I wish could have transitioned a little bit better in the NFL. Obviously, it was already going to be a tough spot for him, but he played decent with the Jaguars for a little bit in certain spots. Um, but Denard Robinson is easily number two. Malik? This one might be a shocker. It's coming out of left field. Michigan State? Not Michigan State. I don't know if you guys are prepared for this one. Oh, boy. My number two is Denard Robinson from Michigan. Oh. I was going to say, he's got to be on your list somewhere. He's my number two. I mean, from his very first carry was a play where it was a draw, a QB draw. He caught the ball, dropped it, going out to the outside, picked up the ball, hesitated, cut, and then was gone 40 yards for a touchdown. I mean, from his very first play, we saw how electric he could be in the type of jaw-dropping speed he had. And from the time he took over as a starter in his sophomore season, he just he built up the rushing yards. His reputation continued to grow as a Michigan quarterback. He beat Ohio State and Michigan State in his career. If he was only more of a consistent passer, his arm, he had such a great arm. And there were times where he can make some really like fantastic throws, but he can never put it together consistently enough. But, man... He's one of the greatest running quarterbacks to ever play college football. He's one of the greatest Michigan football players ever. And it was just in the dark years I've had as a Michigan football fan, say, he, he, he brought joy. The other thing that stunk was like yeah. the, the team around him wasn't that great. Like they weren't a complete they were, team. They were, they, he, they were good teams when he was there. But yeah, he never had teams that were any type but of But he contender. made them good. He made them yeah, good. He, it wasn't he, like took them, was... he took them to a whole other level. Right. Yeah, his decision decision making was a little questionable at times. Um, but you can't deny the talent that was there. All right. Our favorite college football players of all time. I'm surprised you didn't have crab legs number one since you <laughs> love them so much. My number one. <laughs> Is that like some new Greek thing? What? Crab legs? No. Somehow. Jameis Winston, crab legs. Okay. You have to call him Crab Legs the entire NFL season. I'm okay, expecting that. Okay, deal, deal, deal. So Crab Legs this week. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, four interceptions. To be honest, we probably won't talk about him a whole lot, so it won't be that big of a deal. Ooh. Ooh. But my favorite of all time, shocker, Denard Robinson. Wow. Three straight Denards. That's Three a good one. Three straight Denards. So I'm not going to elaborate very much. We've kind of talked all we can to Denard Robinson, but he's my favorite college football player of all time. I mean, 
being a Walmart Wolverine. Watch, I was big into college football during that time. He was my favorite player, and he always has been my favorite player. He was electric to watch for all the reasons we've provided so far. He made a really a bad Michigan team. He made them good. The Look, Michigan team, the, 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 Michigan the, team the, around. The first one with Rich Rodriguez, that wasn't a very good team. No. And, yes, he's the reason why they made a yeah. ball game. They, they, they were a much better team the next few years. But, yeah, that first team, they, they weren't that good. But he, yeah, that was his be- best rushing season his first year starting, too. Joey, favorite college football player of all time? Well, we're going back to the other side. And, again, because I was there, I got to watch it live. Le'Veon Bell is easily number one for me. This guy kind of came out of nowhere for me. For um, everybody, pretty much. Because, yeah, that's true. Um, so it, his junior season was insane. And there were so many times where Michigan State could just give him the ball. And you could think, oh, man, he's going to get taken down three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And all of a sudden, he pops out of nowhere. And you're like, how did he do that? And you go back and you watch, and the funny thing, too, is that, like, he reminded me of, like, when you play Madden or something, and you just spam the B button. There was a time (laughs) where I literally, I was with my buddy, and we were watching the game. I can't remember who he was playing. Le'Veon Bell comes to the first tackler, spin moves around him. Next guy comes up, he spin moves around him. And the next guy, he spin moves around him for a third, (laughs) three times in a row. He does the same exact move, but his spins were so tight and quick, it was incredible. Like, it literally looked like a glitch in a game, the way that he would do it. And the, the most exciting part about Le'Veon Bell for me, too, is that not only would he use a spin move that not a lot of running backs you see use, like, frequently, he would use it all the time. He loved, like, hurdling guys. He was one of the first running backs that used hurdling, cons- like, consistently exactly. in college football. Like, he was super yeah. creative with his running. And again, he was a perfect mix of speed and strength. And just the things that he would do to make holes and make plays and get the extra yards was insane. And again, similar to Denard, being able to see Le'Veon Bell every home game for that my first year at Michigan State, watching him every play was so exciting. And the things that he would do would just, you'd just be baffled because you're like, how did he do that? And then all of a sudden, he's just one of the best NFL running backs in the league, which is just super cool that I got to experience that. And he's wearing that green and white again, Joey. I will get you a New York Jets Le'Veon Bell jersey. <sighs> Malik, what's your number one pick? <laughs> All of it translated perfectly to the league. Right. His running style. It yeah. is gonna. He's going to have that one of those years this year, too. Yeah, totally. Who's my number one? <laughs> Go ahead. My number one is the guy that was too long on his list. Oh. Who's that? The guy that put Texas A&M back on the oh, map. Oh, yeah, I knew it. I Number two. Coming. football. Never mind. The All most right, magic, show for the, the day. The most <laughs> magical quarterback I've ever seen making something out of nothing almost every single week. I don't understand how he came into the SEC and just dominated it like he did as a freshman. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll never understand how he did it, how he went into Alabama and just carved them up like he did. It all didn't make sense while it was happening, but he did it almost every week, and it was it made no sense, which is why it was most incredible. And like he said, the swagger, the not giving a care about anything. Giving a care. A care. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it PG. Yes, keeping it PG. 
you, you, you gotta love Johnny Football, Joey. You have to love. Well, you have to love Johnny Manziel because he he is everything that a football everything lover, good about college football. He you you just said it perfect. He is everything that a college football fan loves about college football. Exactly in one, in one player. He is everything you love about football in one player. Uh, no. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's the truth. I like. It's I the truth. I get like you guys. I get why you like him. Like he's a good player. I was never like under the impression that his his swagger was all that great. Like it always seemed weird to me. It didn't seem. I don't know. It just was off. And like I don't. Necess- I don't necessarily like players that have that kind of swagger, but I can appreciate so it. So you're a hater, it. is what you're saying? A little bit, <laughs> but the, the way that he went about it, yeah. the way that he went about it was just. Oh odd yeah, he for was me. he was cocky. He was so cocky. So like, and I loved every minute of it. It if you can if you can talk the talk. I mean, if right. you, you better talk, be able to walk, walk, walk the walk. walk. Yeah, that well, <laughs> that and phrase. I'm not, yes, and I'm not saying that he didn't either because like. We all love Rashid Wallace. That's what he. That's what he did all the time. I didn't like Rashid before he came to the Pistons. As soon as he came to the Pistons, and he was he was under control while keeping that swagger, it was incredible to watch. For some reason, just the way Johnny Manziel did it, it just didn't seem rubbed you the wrong way. A little it didn't. Bit. I don't know. I, maybe it was just his style was off for me. Or you, I think Malik. I know what this is. I I know what it is. He's a hater. Oh no. A realist. Listen, he didn't. He didn't play the conventional Michigan State quarterback style. Kirk Cousins, Brian Hoyer, drop back. <laughs> we can efficient. talk about that. I don't. Boom, like, boom, boom. I've never been a fan of Michigan State quarterbacks. Never. That's wrong of you. I don't like. That Connor is Cook. very wrong. I of didn't you. like Connor Cook. Connor Cook balled out for Michigan State. I know, but I didn't like him because <laughs> they're boring pro style quarterbacks. <laughs> pro style quarterbacks are good too. Yeah, they're good, but I just don't like them. Johnny Manziel is the greatest college football player ever. Joey is wrong. He needs to reevaluate his opinions college football. I got to watch Le'Veon Bell live. Come on. That's going to do it for the show this week, guys. Top 10 favorite college football players of all time. Views from the sideline. We will see you guys next week. College football previews next week. Joey is wrong. Remember Not that. Johnny Manziel. See ya.